welcome to Full Release with Samantha B. Hopefully, you'll experience one by the end of this. Has it only been a week since we last spoke, dear listeners? How I have missed you. We are quickly wrapping up summer, so make sure to wear all your cute white outfits while you still can. Or if you're like me, you've already spilled on and stained all your summer whites and you're ready to switch back into big gray sweaters. And if you hear beeping all the time from where I am, it's because... (laughs) I'm in a rented house and garbage trucks seem to go by every five seconds. Get used to it. I'm joined, as always, by my producers, Svia Baron-Reinstein and Adam Howard. Okay, podcast gals, today we have White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki joining us, which is wild because she literally talks to the president every single day. Her hair must be so full of secrets. Okay, generally, if someone has a question for the president, they have to go through her. But if you could ask President Biden one question, what would it be? I'm torn because the progressive side of me wants to know what's the deal with the student loan forgiveness thing. Like I I genuinely, I don't understand. They keep saying like Elizabeth Warren, Chuck Schumer, they're like, he can just do this with a stroke of a pen. And I'm just like, what's the holdup? I don't get it. But the bald man in me wants to know what's the deal with the hair plugs. Like I want (laughs) to know... Like, I don't want to get them, but I genuinely don't know how they work. Like, do they have to be refurbished periodically? Does he get them? Do they get trimmed? That's a serious question. Yeah. Because, you know, you see these photos of him from, like, the 70s where he was just, like, super bald. And now it's just this, like, sort of swept back thing. Sure. Well, he's Benjamin Buttoning. Benjamin Buttoning. (laughs) The science. Also, I do feel like... He might not be the only person you could ask about that. Like, <laughs> Maybe start with someone more accessible. And if you don't get the answer that you want, we'll, we'll I, ask her. I want to talk to the king of hair plugs. <laughs> I don't know anyone that I know who has them. Do we know people who have them? Well, oh, wow. today's your day. I don't. Jeez. Oh my God. What if I told you right now that I have them? Would you be surprised? I, I would be because you have amazing hair. Uh, it's just Play Doh, Adam. It's just Play Doh. Um, perfectly highlighted play <laughs> Although, Sam, you did used to always bring back your hair extensions from photo shoots, and I feel like they I kind did. of just, like, became office decoration back when we had an office. Just curtains they did. of they them. Were, <laughs> they were such souvenirs. They are incredible. They really are just a beautiful curtain fringe of natural <laughs> hair in my exact uh, various shades. <laughs> oh, they're so creepy. Okay, Svia, I assume your question would be the same question, hair plugs. My question would be the same question, but since that one has yeah. already been taken, I think just mm-hmm. at like more of a base level, as someone who ran for president three times, I just don't understand like who wants to be president. Just the job seems to be getting worse and worse with like the more problems the world is acknowledging and more media. Like, why would you want like you seem to have a great life like right in the Senate for decades, super popular vice president, really hot wife. Why (laughs) did you want to do this now? Seems like a terrible time, but it's okay. I would ask him a shallow question and I would ask him to name the top 10 pieces of gossip that no one knows. Mm. And and so I think <laughs> maybe my question wins. And he is, I have the lasso of truth around him when I ask him this question. <laughs> top 10 DC gossip, go, not even gossip, stories that no one knows that only he knows. Mm. Unlock the vault, let's go. And he has to say, because the lasso. You what is the lasso? Oh, Wonder Woman. It's like a lasso. Oh, my 
God. No, I just didn't understand. Like, come on. The lasso of truth. (laughs) Okay. I know who Wonder Woman is, but why would you have that? (laughs) I'm familiar. Why would I have that? (laughs) Because she is Wonder Woman. (laughs) (laughs) Because in this scenario, I have President Biden in a chair in front of me, and that's never going to happen. So we might as well add, (laughs) we might as well add the lasso. Sure, sure. You're right. (laughs) Spell it. Let's go. <laughs> I'm super excited for today's interview, and we are going to take a quick break, but we have Jen Saki coming up, and you are really not going to want to miss this. Joining me today is White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki. Prior to joining the Biden administration, Jen served as a traveling press secretary for the 2008 Obama campaign and the press secretary of President Obama's 2012 re-election campaign. She has also been the spokesperson for the Department of State, as well as President Obama's director of communications. She's even been the subject of a Russian propaganda campaign. I know she has a wealth of insight and spends all day fielding questions, so I'm so grateful that she's still willing to take some of mine. Welcome to the show, Jen Psaki. Ah, there you are. Oh, it's so we nice did to it. meet you. And we're matching. How exciting. We match. <laughs> this is, I know, this is very exciting for me. I made the right choice this morning. Me too. Boy, oh boy. I am so happy to meet you. I just think you are out there killing it. Oh, and thank I just, you. I just appreciate your wit and your wisdom. Oh, God. So this is very I'm exciting. I'm so happy to meet you. I mean, I'm a little intimidated by your wit, but I'm just going to just stop it. Zen about it. <laughs> stop it. <laughs> Everyone in my family was like, are you nervous? And I was like, well, I'm not not nervous. I would uh, really <laughs> like to make a Today's the day when you want to make a good impression. Okay. So, me too. You know, we're gonna, we're just okay. going to hold hands and be nervous together because Let's I was nervous with my family as well. It's going to be great. <laughs> okay. It's going to be great. This is great. Okay. I feel like you are one of the busiest people in the country right now. How in the world do you have time <laughs> for a podcast with me? How do you make space for these types of things when you have so much on your plate? I mean, these, these types of things are so important because what we're trying to do here is not just do the briefing every day, which is hugely important, right. but also talk to the American public, talk to people who may not turn into whitehouse.gov. So, okay. you know, I mean, this is okay. hugely important. Okay. Okay. Well, at the time of this taping, the Build Back Better agenda has just passed the Senate and it's going to be moving through the House. There's so much good stuff in it, even though a lot of other good stuff had to be left out. What would you say... What's your favorite part? What's your favorite part? It certainly is not the name Biff or reconciliation package, which <laughs> okay. nobody knows what on earth that is. So I appreciate you Gorgeous. asking that. Yes. I mean, I think what my favorite part is, one, it's it's of course exciting to rebuild roads and bridges. Sure. What people kind of miss the point on that's included in here is adding broadband to people across the country. And for kids, I mean, you look at the last year and a half, right? Kids were trying to get online, go to school. There were so many stories about there about parents in parking lots of fast food restaurants or targets or grocery stores, just trying to get their kids access to school. So it's going to level the playing field on that and also replace pipes around the country. Kids are still, they're still led in drinking water in schools and in communities. I mean, look at Flint. I think that's hugely exciting. But also this reconciliation package, hate that term. Nobody knows what that means, but that's the other piece happening. The piece that I'm hugely excited about as a working mom and just as a human being, I guess, is um, 
paying for universal pre-K for kids across the country. It's just awesome. I mean, three and four-year-olds should have access to universal pre-K. And there has been so many, so many studies done about the impact of that, not just on those kids at three and four or five and six, but the impact of them being more likely to graduate from high school, to go to college. I mean, it's a huge investment in the future. So that's in there. Also making community college affordable and free for people, paid leave. I mean, how outdated are we as a country that that's not a reality, right? I mean, so making that law is hugely exciting and also a huge investment in addressing the climate crisis. Some of that's in the infrastructure package. Some of that is in this other package that is the rest of the Build Back Better agenda. And that includes some standards on climate. We need to make sure we're holding ourselves to account. It includes energy tax credits. It includes the biggest investment in history in electric vehicles and charging stations. So there's a a lot to love. We just have to get it all across the finish line. I know. How do you get it? How do you get it across? Like, do you do you have any moments of time off in the next foreseeable future? Or are you just constantly putting these messages out? How does that how does that work? Well, look, the president's always working. Sure. I am taking a vacation next week, but we're all kind of <gasps> always work. I know it's exciting. I spend time with my kids. Okay. It's great. Mm-hmm. But yes, we are going to be working on it basically yeah. every day. I mean, we're in August, obviously, right now but we still have to be, we're going to members of Congress out there talking to their communities. And the biggest thing that we need to keep our our focus on on this end is not getting wrapped up in the machinations of the sausage making in Washington. It's important, hugely important, but it's not what people care about. And so we need to keep explaining at every moment we have why this matters and why it's going to make people's lives better. And that's what we're really going to be focused on. How do you respond to people who say who, or who believe that child care isn't infrastructure, which is like remarkable to me? But how do you wrestle with that? I mean, first, who cares if it's infrastructure or not? It's right. a, It should be a right to people across the country. I mean, we call it human infrastructure because the fact is that you can't bring the two million women who have left the workforce back into the workforce who are working moms unless you are helping them with child care. And that's right. universal pre-K. But that's also making childcare affordable. It is so expensive across the country and in major cities, especially. Yeah. And what this package proposes doing is ensuring that people won't have to pay more than 7% of what they make on childcare. But look, you can call it whatever you want to call it infrastructure, sure. human infrastructure, or just basically a fundamental right or a fundamental way government should help women rejoin the workforce. And it's long overdue. And it's something that's also, just to take it to a meta level, making us less competitive. I mean, it's better when there's more women in the workforce. And there's been tons of studies on that. And when women are moving in the workforce, and I know from experience, you know, I had my daughter when I was 36. I had my son when I was 39. That's also key point for a lot of women as they're moving up the ladder, whether they're in government or in the private sector or nonprofits, education. And you shouldn't have to make a choice. You know, do I stay? Or is it just, it's not, it's cost prohibitive for me to stay. And that shouldn't be the position we're putting women in across the country. And we've had, I mean, in this past year, we've had millions of women have left the workforce because of the pandemic and their childcare situation and the situation, the crisis in childcare in general. So how do we begin to, like, how do we even begin to recover from that? It's going to take some time. 
Right. And I think the bottom line in the president's view is we got to start working on it now because right. one, we have to make it possible for women to be able to afford for their kids to be cared for by other loving, experienced adults. That's you know the benefit of additional funding for childcare. It's not just childcare, but it's also can be elder care. I mean, women who are in right. their, yeah, 30s, 40s, 50s, you're kind of stuck in this sandwich, right? Where yes. you are, sometimes you're caring for parents or other loved ones. You're also caring for children. How do you make that possible? That is a, a big part of what we need to do as, as a, an important step to get more women back into the workforce and, and keep them. Paid leave is also a key part of it because, you know, right. I, before I came back and rejoined government, I worked at this amazing international nonprofit, great experience, wonderful people. When I had my son, I had no, uh, I had no uh, maternity leave. You know, that's crazy. Yeah. And that is what a lot of women are grappling with. And it's putting a lot of women in this place where they're making a choice. You know, I want to spend those pivotal few months with my kids and men too. And we should make that law and required and not make it those additional components that women have to confront as they're contemplating whether they're going to stay in the workforce, leave the workforce or keep moving up in the workforce. Having no paid leave is something that would be just intolerable or unthinkable in almost every other first world country. They look at it and go, you what? You have to go to back to work when? Right. You're not even, you can't even walk yet. (laughs) Exactly. Right. I mean, exactly. And, you know, we're even, we're talking about 12 weeks, right? It should be a fundamental basis. Now there's a lot of private sector companies who have done better, frankly, than what we were doing at the federal level. But some of this is also making it so that people don't have to choose. They have to work for one of those specific companies. I mean, they may choose to, uh, in order to get the benefit of what should be a fundamental right. Everybody should come and work for Full Frontal because we have a really good family leave policy. What's your paid leave policy? Our paid leave is, is, it's the equivalent of six months of full pay. It's about six months. And we really only did that because I remember having eight weeks of paid leave and just like half pay or something like that. And it was so... I'm from Canada originally. So yeah. I was like, well, you want me to do what? I haven't even <laughs> figured out. Like I'm just figuring out breastfeeding now. Like right. I'm just okay. <laughs> Please don't make me. I know. I'm impressed that you were just okay after eight weeks. I'm not sure I was just okay. I mean, it's just barely. Right. You're barely. barely. And you're just kind of, you want, <laughs> yes, there is the very important part of bonding with your child, but this is also women are recovering. I mean, childbirth, however your child comes into the world is its own journey. And that's six months. That's a, that's an amazing policy. Good. You're a model. You're a model. And just parental leave in general too. Yeah. Like how, whatever form that takes, whatever your family looks like. Exactly. Very, it's critical. Okay. Do you think that bipart? I mean, bipartisan support, feels like such a foreign concept <laughs> to me. Do you think that the, the, that that will lead to more bipartisan cooperation? I'm saying this with a cringe on my face because I don't know, or is this, is this it? You know, we're never going to accept that this is it. They're actually, here's the good news. Okay. I'm an optimist by nature. So I'm going to yes. start there. Um, otherwise, it. I wouldn't be here. I, President Biden wouldn't be here. There are a couple of pieces of legislation. The CHIPS Act, which is funding mm-hmm. for 
chips, which sounds very nerdy and wonky. It is, Mm -hmm. but it is chips that were required to go in automobiles and other big, uh, big, uh, manufacturing entities in the country to get equipment and get cars out on the marketplace. That has a lot of support. And that is something that hopefully will move forward in the fall. Okay. It is pretty significant that this infrastructure package that includes expansion of broadband, also expansion of uh, replacing lead pipes, has as much bipartisan support. I mean, 19 Republicans in the Senate voted for it. That's good. Right. It still has mm-hmm. to move forward. But here's how we think about this here. President thinks about it. We all think about it. There's bipartisan support around the country for all sorts of things. You know, there's a bipartisan support, Democrats, Republicans, independents, people who are not political at all for all sorts of things, even mm-hmm. things like immigration reform that feels very edgy and controversial here in Washington. But around the country, from big businesses, small businesses, a lot of people want to see us do something on that front. Uh, investing mm-hmm. in our workforce. Actually, there's a lot of support for some of the pieces that we've been talking about extending the child tax credit, making sure we're helping make college more affordable, universal pre-K. There's actually support from Democrats and Republicans across the country for a lot of these initiatives. So that's the good news. What we have to do is try to figure out how we can find common ground with people in Washington, not make it a partisan battle whenever we can, and make it about how we're going to help people in the country and make them feel like government's working for them. So is it a little bit of an easier sell because you're spending so much time now going out and kind of messaging this and making sure people understand, is it a slightly easier sell for you because of that bipartisan support or, or just news hosts attack everything you say, no matter what it is, even with that kind of, I mean, you must expect that. Yeah. It also depends on the news hosts. I mean, it's not breaking news that there are partisan outlets out there that continues to be the case, but Mm -hmm. Sure, it is. I mean, the president, you know, people elected Joe Biden because they wanted to see leaders work together to try to get some things done. And he did that. And he's still working to do that. That is something that, you know, is kind of a a leadership value. Uh, People feel good about they want to see and they want to see us keep doing that. Mm -hmm. The piece that we have to be mindful of is that people are not navigating out what the vote count is from Democrats and Republicans on every piece of everything. You know, basically people in the country want to know that childcare is going to be more affordable, right? Yes. We want to work in a bipartisan way. Our doors always open to that. But at the end of the day, we also just want to get things done and we're going to work toward that as well. Right. How difficult has it been restoring normalcy and trust to the daily briefings in the aftermath of what the Trump administration did to them? Well, I mean, I don't know that I we've entirely accomplished that yet. I think we're still a work in progress. But I will say that one of the most important things when I came into this job that the president told me is we need to just make sure we're using all of our platforms, including the briefing, to do exactly what you said, restore trust, rebuild trust. What does that mean? On a daily basis, that means trying to treating people with respect. It's some fundamental values that you would convey to kind of elementary school kids or my kids, right? Mm-hmm. Treating people with respect, even when you disagree, that doesn't mean there aren't um, elevated debates. Of course there are. That's a part of democracy. It's a healthy thing that happens. Right. That's perfectly fine. Also, for far too long, we've tr- we treat the American public like they're dumb or like they don't understand substance and policy. They do. Let's not do that. I mean, let's explain things, 
explain the process, explain what we're trying to do, explain the benefits, provide data. Everything isn't black or white, or you're entirely wrong or you're entirely right. Sometimes there's more nuance to that. And that's what we're trying to do. So, you know, I think we've always seen it as a work in progress and as a journey to try to restore that trust and make people feel like government can work for them. Some of that is how we engaged and treating people with respect, even people who didn't vote for him and people who disagree with us. Treating them with respect is very important to our argument and also leading with information right? Leading with content, not treating people like they're dumb and they can only digest sound bites. The American people want more and let's provide them more. Well, you've spoken in interviews about how you create a tone and how important tone is going forward, which is what we're talking about. How do you make sure that you have, how do you align yourselves? Like just technically, can you tell me how that works? How you align yourselves every day? Are you in communication every day? Like how does that just work? Technically, I'm lucky because one, the president understands and values the role of the media. Hey, let's start there. That's a good baseline, right? Sure. B, he also was vice president for eight years. So he understands what the purpose of the daily briefing is. And to him, yeah, I can always go in and ask him. um, You know, I don't abuse it. I'm not going to bust in there when he's meeting with generals or something. But um, uh, I can ask him what he thinks, how he wants me to convey something, what his view is on an issue. And also I, I am there, of course, when he's reviewing remarks and watch closely, observe everything he says. But yes, part of it is uh, ensuring that I am fully aligned with how he is thinking about things, how he wants to talk about issues. That's really my role, right, is um, speaking on his behalf. That's why the daily briefing is of interest to the press corps, because they want to digest and understand where the president's coming from on issues. Mm -hmm. When you face a press briefing, are there times when you feel like, I don't, I don't want to do this. I'm not in the mood for that. Like, I can't, this is going to be a tough one. This is going to be a doozy. Oh yeah. (laughs) Because I feel that when I used to really perform in front of an audience, you get like an adrenaline rush when you're like, this is, let's do it. How do you, how do you prep yourself? Do you like air punch? Do you like Rocky style? You put a song in your headphones. Sometimes there's a little air punch. Um, Yeah. (laughs) I mean, sometimes you just have to shake it off and just realize, look, I know uh, I've been doing this on and off in different iterations for almost 20 years. Right. I know when it's going to be a bruiser of a briefing for a range of reasons. Um, uh, There's a difficult policy where Sometimes the press and the media narrative is ahead of decision-making processes, and there just isn't more you're going to be able to give, right? Sometimes we're being criticized, and I just have to go out there and remember that what I'm doing is trying to convey to the best of my ability how we're addressing a challenging circumstance, what we're doing about it. But yes, you know before you go in there if it's going to be a bruiser. And sometimes I say to my team, there's a lower press area that is right before you kind of slide the door to the briefing room. Sometimes I just say, it's going to be a day, you know, (laughs) it's going to be a day out there. And you just embrace yourself for, I don't know what you do when you perform, but yeah, you just, you just zen yourself out, do a little shimmy. A little shimmy. You're just going to go and do your job. Yeah. Sometimes you're just like, it's actually, I appreciate that you said that because sometimes I think it's like all about being that gold star student. And you're just like, here's my mission. I will accomplish this mission today. (laughs) Come hell or high water. I'm going to get a gold star today. We're doing it. Right. And you just press the gas and you just go, let's go. Yeah. (laughs) Let's go through this problem. Let's not shy away. No. I, I wonder 
you know, because you've done this type of work for for so long and you've worked in the Obama White House, how have you and other veterans of that administration evolved in terms of how you approach the press and your communication strategies? Because the media world, the landscape is so different now. Yeah. Like, would your job be harder or easier without Twitter is what I'm saying. Like, Ooh. everything has changed. Yeah. That's interesting. I don't, I don't know if it would be harder or easier. That's a very good question. I mean, but I also think my job is to just accept reality sometimes, which is right. that Twitter is a driver of the media narrative and a big audience mm-hmm. of Twitter is the media. Right. I think, you know, one of the, one of the ways that I, I feel like over time, having, having worked here before under former president Obama, every president, every white house is different. You face different things. The presidents need different things. That's of course understandable. And they're facing different crises. I do think some of the things I've learned over time are that you need to keep your, your head focused on what your overarching objectives are almost not with blinders on, but almost with, um, uh, kind of, a a bit of a North star focus on what you're trying to achieve. And so you know, that means not getting thrown off course because Marjorie Taylor Greene is out there saying something insane, right? Right. Which could be every day or might be every day. Yeah. And it means remembering who you're talking to. And, you know, I've talked about this a little bit in the past, but in the briefing room is something everyone who's done this job who I spoke with Mm -hmm. said to me, you're speaking to the public, right? You're not, you're not trying to win an argument in the room. And anyone who has this job, you're by nature, you kind of, you know, you, you want to sometimes instinctually win arguments, but it's reminding yourself, you're trying to convey to the people who were going to see the clips, going to see the screen, you know, going to see what you said about a particular issue or the president's focus. It's not about winning the argument in the room. But the second thing I've learned is also you have to be really agile. I mean, I woke up yesterday morning, the president was leaving that day. We will miss him, but it gives a little time to catch up on things. And I thought, oh, great. Today's going to be a day. I'm going to go through random mail I get. I have lovely old women who send me barrettes, all sorts of notes. Sometimes I write back, who knows? So I'm going to go through that. I'm going to catch up with my team. And I get a call on my phone at 7 15 in the morning, 710 from the situation room that I go to go to a meeting, right? At 730 and your day changes, right? And you have to be agile because it's the White House. People expect us to be responsive and be prepared to speak to everything happening in the world. And you may think one day is going to be focused on one thing and it may take a different track at 8 a.m., 4 p.m. And, you know, agility is kind of a big part of this job. Do you love that part? Or are there times where you're like, oh, I was going to make waffles. (laughs) I was just going to, I just wanted to make a waffle. Some days you're just like, there's not enough coffee in the world. There's not enough (laughs) caffeine. I can put it in my veins and it doesn't matter. Um, Yeah. Yeah. We're all human, right? I mean, some days you're just thinking, I just want to have my Ugg slippers on and (laughs) have a side ponytail. And you just can't because something's happening in the world or you have to respond to something. Why are old ladies sending you barrettes? What's going on? People, why do some people send you barrettes? I get a lot oh, of boy. things in the mail. Um, okay. I mean, I don't even, I don't know what people send you. Now I want to ask you that question. Because people are upset that I touch, not, not people. I hate when people do that. Some lovely women who write me letters okay. that are generally very nice on nice mm-hmm. floral cards often are upset that I touch my hair when I do the briefing. So they send me barrettes so that I could, I think, put... Look, t- 
two barrettes like this. Imagine. Oh my God. So they send me barrettes. I have a drawer full of barrettes that people have sent me. It's not just one person. It's many, many well-meaning and lovely ladies who have sent me barrettes. That is so lovely. It isn't it weird. so lovely. I know. It is. And how weird would that be if you just came out for your <laughs> press briefings with two tight barrettes? Someday, I just want to say, Esther, this is for you. <laughs> this is your barrette, Esther. And, you know, Olive, this is your barrette. So. You hand-beaded this and I honor you. Yes, exactly. What is the difference between working on a campaign versus working in an administration? Such a good question. Huge difference. On a campaign, you have this one deadline, right? There's the election. Right. And all you want to do is win. And everything you do is toward winning. Okay. And it's aspirational as well. Uh, on a campaign, you can say, we want to solve child hunger. Of course, everyone does, right? We want world sure. peace. We want all of these wonderful, bold initiatives. In right. government, you have to operate through the prism of how we get these policies and make them into law. And sometimes that requires working with people who you ran against. It requires working with people you may disagree with on other issues. And it requires making every decision through the prism of how we're going to get things done through Congress, through other legislative means. Uh, Maybe it's changing public opinion on particular issues. So it is different in that regard, but you have to kind of adjust and remember sometimes people, not, not you in particular, but sometimes people think of what we do as press spokespeople is kind of like we're the weather girls or weather men, or I don't even know. We're just out there kind of trying to, you know, give quotable, uh, quotable responses. I mean, you do want to do that, but what we do is all part of the tool set and the objective of getting things done, whether that's legislation or changing the public point of view on issues. That's what we're trying to do. So it is a difference between campaigns and governing for sure. Right. Having to work with people who <laughs> who you were tussling with all through the campaign is very interesting. Listen, I mean, I having having worked on both of former President Obama's campaigns and now, you know, Mitt Romney is uh, one of the people standing with us on infrastructure. You just got to adjust sometimes to to get things done. I'll ask you this. The public's distrust of traditional news sources. Is there anything that can be done? Like, what can we do about that? Is that is that here to stay? Or do you have a bigger strategy? How can you personally fix this situation? <laughs> you and you alone can fix this. Hold on. I'm so going to put it on go. my to-do list. I'm going to solve do. public trust yep. in media. Thank you. There's no question, as you know, that that public trust in media and institutions was hurt by the last four years. Boy. But it was already low before that. There are some interesting, uh, you know, local media has a higher level of trust than national media in most communities, which is interesting. Why is that? I mean, part of that might be that they are speaking to issues people actually care about in their communities. That seems pretty simple, but that may be a good baseline to draw from. A contributor to this is also definitely the amount of misinformation that is traveling out there on social media platforms, unfortunately, also sometimes in traditional media platforms and from the mouths of public officials. There have been, I think, some challenging moments over the past several years that media has had to grapple with. You know, when former President Trump is out there 
spewing inaccurate information every day? Do they just have a constant fact check of him? Should they not use his tweets or should they not use things he's saying? It's still news, even if it's inaccurate. So I think there are some internal um, self-examination uh, that I think a, a number of news outlets have gone through. But I do think there is something, and I don't want to be Pollyanna about this, to the fact that local news is still quite trusted, that you know, I've done, I don't even know how many, dozens, hundreds, I'm not sure, of local news interviews since I started here. It's interesting because you know, I may go from a briefing or a cable news hit where they're asking very topical, interesting questions about what's happening or some sort of grappling with Congress. And you go to a local news interview and they say, what bridge in my town will be rebuilt? Right. And how will this child tax credit help people who are living in my community? There is something to that. But big news is also a business, too. So that I don't know. I, I have not given you an answer. I've just like laid out some of the challenges. No one can answer this question. I know. No, it's all it's all challenges. Yeah. And I don't I don't exactly know what to do about that. So, OK, we'll table that. That's on the list. It'll get pushed down the list, but we'll fix it eventually. <laughs> right. Yes, <laughs> oh my we'll God. work on it. I put it on my list for August. I did read, I, I don't know who, I don't know where I read it, but that someone had reached out to the former president to see if he would, you know, join together in a nonpartisan vaccination campaign. Let's get those vaccines to no avail. I mean, of course, I mean, good Lord, he is the source of, anyways, we can not go there. That's fine. But <laughs> how frustrated are you? by really high-level Republicans out there pushing forward misinformation, pushing for like refusing to really participate in a very needed vaccination push. Like we are in crisis. Yeah. I can't believe we're back here. I mean, frustrated, yes. Horrified also. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, this is not a, a back and forth debate about how much money should be in there to build bridges. Let's have that debate. The debt limit, important, could be existential as well. But this is about people's lives, right? And you look right. at the situation in Florida and the governor is not allowing communities to take steps to protect children. I mean, that is insane. And kids are in the hospital. The hospitals are getting overcrowded. I mean, what I think is so troubling here, if you look at the big picture of kind of this back and forth and you know, overcrowd the country is there's a lot of people who are acting like they're, they're bystanders. Like they're just kind of watching, right? It's like, oh, well, we can't control what's on our platforms. Oh, well, people should make their own choices. That's generally, it's like, guys, we're in a pandemic. We all have a responsibility here to provide accurate information to the public so that they can save their lives. You're not a bystander if you have a public platform or if you're a public person. You need to be a participant. So that's what is like crazy to me. The history books will not treat these people kindly. No. All right. I'm going to wrap it up because I know you have a super busy day. You got a busy, busy day as usual. It has been such an extreme pleasure to speak with you. I just read that you are a competitive backstroke swimmer oh. on top of everything else. Did you have Olympic FOMO this year? Were you like, I got to get in that pool? <laughs> I am so obsessed with the Olympics. I was. I actually had a moment of mourning. I will tell you, Katie Ledecky, who is a lovely human being and a great role yes. model, and I have a daughter, so I can say, I tweeted so much about the Olympic trials. <laughs> I'm kind of one of those weird stalker people that she sent a t-shirt from my daughter that has Ledecky on the back 
which is so amazing. And now my daughter watched her races. And, and what I, what it, what warms my heart so much is, you know, there's a lot of craziness in the world, but you watch someone like her going out and not just winning and being super fast. I don't even know. I could, that is so fast, how fast she swims and how fast these people swim. It's just so fast. Yeah. But she also behaves with such grace. You know, right. she lifts up these younger swimmers she, I'm sure she hates to lose because, you know, if you're a competitive sure. Olympic level athlete, but she, uh, and I think that's such an, uh, an, a powerful component of the Olympics and how these athletes behave and treat each other. And I, I just love to see that too. I love the Olympics. I want to be a gopher for the Olympics. I can like do research. I can prep people. I'm, you know, that's my dream. So. You know, I think they would be very happy to have you. Yeah. So I don't think <laughs> that you, you need to. I don't think you need to shelf that dream. Okay, I think that's possible I for you I'm at, keep at any moment. I'm yeah, going to keep, keep it. That. All right, you have a wonderful day, and thank, thank you so you. much for giving me this time. Thank really you, and thanks it. for everything you do too, and having these like serious, substantive conversations with people and sharing information with all the people who love and watch you, and never know that you're nervous and don't feel like doing it. So uh, I've never <laughs> seen that from you. So Same. thank you to you never too. seen it from you. There you go. Okay, good. We hide it well. <laughs> thank thanks you so much. Have a great day. You too. I got to squeeze in another quick break here. Oh, I love her so much. That was awesome. Woo, that was great. It's always exciting to do interviews under like time pressure when people have real jobs and they and have to, to go like, finally do those have a real press jobs. secretary that we would want to talk to and that would be willing to talk to us. But breath of fresh air. It feels very special. Feels very special. Okay. Wow. Yes. Woo, that was a good that was a, that's a good one. Yes. So yes. As you know, regardless of the president they work for, the White House press secretary has a pretty tough job and sometimes gets asked questions that are just impossible to answer. So we chose a few of their best answers okay. to see if you can figure out which recent president this press secretary is referring to. So we're gonna, okay, we're gonna be looking for the name of a president. Okay, great. All right. First one. Hit me. Mm -hmm. The quote, I don't think the president wears a bathrobe and definitely doesn't own one. Oh, oh, that is for sure Sean Spicer, right? Yes. Ding, ding, ding. (laughs) Also, definitely a lie. Definitely. Ew. Definitely. (laughs) Ew. Don't. Make me picture that horrible man in a bathrobe. I'm so sorry that we did that to our listening audience. Gross. Can you imagine talking about the president's bathrobe? Oh, oh, I can't take it. Okay. Or that he felt so strongly that he didn't want people to think he wears them. We probably didn't think it until that sentence was said. And now we're like, well, he's definitely in one right now. Like, why is that a signal of weakness to wear a bathrobe? Yeah, a bathrobe. (laughs) Perish the thought. Who could ever do that? Uh, this is the next one. Okay. Wow. Space Force. It's the plane of today. Okay. Well, that is Jen Psaki. <laughs> that <laughs> that's is. the lady of the hour. Yes. So yes, funny. That's, uh, Jen Psaki. Oh, my God. Lady of the hour. I believe that's what the media is now calling a Saki bomb. A Saki bomb. <laughs> yes. All right. The president stands squarely behind the decision he made yesterday to wear his summer suit okay. at yesterday's news conference. Oh. Summer suit. <laughs> okay. Summer suit. Summer suit was... This was very controversial. Well, the summer suit was Obama. Very controversial. That was the tan suit, but I don't know the name. I can't recall the name of his press secretary while that was underway. While that horrifying controversy was taking place. (laughs) While that was underway, 
Josh Ernest had to deal with that. Josh Ernest. Okay. Pick up, <laughs> okay. Pick okay. Up the spill. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I don't have an update on the cat. We know the cat will break the internet, but I don't have any update on its status. I feel like that's also that's a that's a sake bomb. Ding ding ding. Yes, it is. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yeah, she's great. She really is great, and probably will go down in history as the most memorable press secretary. I mean, just for reasons of pure competence and wit, which is exciting. Because <laughs> yeah, I, I still remember Sean Spicer. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> it's hard to forget him. Bathrobe. Have we discussed Joe Biden's bathroom situation? <laughs> Hopefully not. It will break the internet. Jesus. Okay. Okay. Last but not least, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've seen this guy throw a dead spiral through a tire. I've seen him at Madison Square Garden with a top coat on. He's standing uh, in the key and he's hitting foul shots and swishing them. Okay. He sinks yeah. three foot putts. Okay. Well, that's the mooch. That's mm-hmm. Oh my god! <laughs> and ding, ding, ding. great recall. How many? How many days was he? Eleven. In that eleven position? days. Eleven days. <laughs> I was gonna say twelve, but actually eleven. Lots of good <laughs> quotes for eleven days. Wow! Not even two goddamn weeks. No. <laughs> oh wow! I almost forgot about him. Yeah. Almost forgot about him. Oh blessedly, God. Oh boy. Oh boy. That was an episode of our podcast. That was a fun one. Wow. I hope you liked this podcast. If you did, let us know in the comments. If you didn't, well, just consider hate listening in the future. Seriously, though, please rate, review, and follow Full Release and Apple Podcasts and tell your friends. God, spread the word about this podcast. In the meantime, keep sending us your comments and questions to fullrelease at sambi.com. They might even be featured in one of our special bonus episodes exclusively available on Stitcher Premium. Don't forget to tune into Full Frontal with Samantha B. Wednesdays at 10.30 p.m. on TBS, and we'll see you next Tuesday for another Full Release. This podcast is brought to you by Earwolf and TBS and was produced by Adam Howard and Svea Baron-Reinstein with research provided by Noreen Malik and IT and technical production provided by Hitech. It was edited by Julia Fott and hosted by me. My name is Samantha B. Have a great day. No one wants to play with me now. And they're all like, we just don't want to play with you because you're not good enough. Wow. <laughs> that was nice. Wow. 